Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, the podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One, as well as the Xbox Series X. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of January 16th, 2020, including Xbox Series X will not have exclusive games for at least its first year. Square Enix's The Avengers, or Marvel's Avengers, has been delayed. Microsoft might still be considering further first-party expansion and more. Let's start out this week with some shout outs or comments that were made on last week's episode. Like I said, I'm trying to encourage some kind of audience engagement, communication, some form or fashion. So even if it's just the same two people anyway, every week, we'll uh, we'll just keep pushing through anyway and reading comments uh, from the audience. So last week on last week's episode, Dead Captain James, who comments regularly, chimed in talking about the power of the Xbox Series X, the kind of reports that were leaking about the, the console's capabilities that I somewhat glossed over just because, like I, like I said, I'm just not technologically savvy enough to really speak authoritatively on what any of the leaked data or supposed specs of the console really mean so um, but they chimed in and said I really hope that the leaked specs are 100% accurate I have a PC with an RTX 2070 super and the Series X will be more powerful if those specs are true I assume I'm, I'm pretty sure the RTX is a graphics card I'm not I'm not that stupid I know a little bit with like names of graphics card processors and things like that so I'd be able to recognize it but regardless you know this is a this is an interesting statement just because thinking about like how powerful the console could be because obviously who doesn't want every console to be in a, in a big way the most powerful console ever made but obviously you know Microsoft and Sony these companies have to keep the power capped to some extent just because you gotta you gotta meet that middle point between powerful specs and an appealing price point and you can't while it's not uncommon for consoles to be sold at a loss you can't sell your console at too big a loss or else you know it's like why are you even in this market obviously the games are the games and the services are where you really make the money but in some cases it's nice to make some money on the on the console itself and in, in other cases it's also just nice to not have to lose too much money on units so on each unit sold so i don't know microsoft's really pushing that this is a powerful box and in my perception they, this this ever-growing concept of what the Xbox brand is moving forward as kind of manifested by my imagination. I constantly see the Series X as like not not this kind of like doorbuster console where they're just trying to, you know, sell millions and millions and millions of units. Obviously, they want that to be the case. And if it sells millions of units, it's it's incredible. That's what they're looking for. But I don't I don't know. Like this just keeps sparking this conversation I'm having internally all the time about like Obviously, the PlayStation 4 has sold well over 100 million units, and the Xbox One, while we don't have specific numbers, we do know it hasn't even come close to that. It's probably it's probably sold like a third, if maybe close to a half, but probably closer to a third of what the PS4 has sold. It just hasn't sold nearly as well. The Xbox One sales are probably in the 40 to 50 million unit range, which is pretty, those are pretty good numbers. That's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just nowhere near what the PS4 has sold, so... You know, to, to think that Xbox's goal is to come out next generation and kick PS5 in the ass and to have a more competitive console in terms of number of units sold would be a logical conclusion to, to go to. But I'm not so sure that's the case anymore. And and so I guess what I'm getting with this power thing is 
I think Microsoft is a lot more concerned with the services and the games, i.e., you know, all the studios they've acquired, Game Pass, things like that, than they are with the traditional concept of they're making a new console and hoping to be the the company that sells the most consoles, period. Because with the way Xbox is going, obviously, with the play games anywhere, you know, through xCloud or through last generation hardware or through this generation hardware or through PC, I think their concept is just about getting their games on as many platforms as possible so they can just, you know, have as many people subscribe to Xbox Live and Game Pass or Game Pass Ultimate or, um, you know, buying first-party games or buying games on the Xbox Store or the Microsoft Store through Xbox so that they're the ones making the money, you know? And maybe if you cast your net wider like that, there's more potential, you know, room for profit if that's how you look at it rather than we just need to sell the largest number of Xbox as possible so we can sell games on Xbox alone. If you think of Xbox as a service and a platform that can exist on many forms of hardware, then there's a lot more potential to make money on you know all these different forms of hardware rather than just say one console like an Xbox Series X or a PlayStation 5. And obviously that sounds like a long tangent, but what I'm saying is if that really is the way that they're looking at it, which is what I believe, then doesn't it stand to reason that they can just make the Xbox Series X an obnoxiously powerful and expensive console? Because if the goal isn't to sell for the Xbox Series X to sell so many more units than the PlayStation 5, because, you know, if you can just get players on PC or mobile devices or lower powered Xboxes, then why not just go all out? Why not just make the most expensive and absurdly powered Xbox ever. Why not just make a $600 box that's more powerful than your average gaming PC that's vastly more powerful than the PlayStation 5? Because who cares? People who don't like it, people who think that's too expensive, think people that think they don't need that much power, they can just go play a moderately priced PC or they can stream Xbox games through xCloud or they can just go keep playing the Xbox One X, which is like really affordable now. I mean, I was seeing deals for that thing for like $250, $300 over the holidays. So it's like, just go buy that Xbox and play your games there because there's just so many places to play Xbox now and that's the place we're going. So just make the hardware really powerful. I don't know. That was just a long tangent. That's just a couple things I've been thinking about. While I'm not fully convinced that's what's happening here, I think that's a good excuse to make the Series X just obnoxiously powerful because why not? You got so many other places for, I mean, not that Xbox should go around, of course, saying, you know, if you think our console is too expensive, go play our games elsewhere, because that would be a very Xbox One launch era comment to make, similar to the comment they made about, if you don't want to always be online, go play the 360. But nonetheless, I think they could kind of, you know, position the consoles in such a way that that's the idea suggests um, to have, you know, a unit or a place to play that matches everyone's price point, performance needs and style, you know. So regardless, um, that was just something I was, something I was thinking about, a long tangent nonetheless, but luckily all related to Xbox. So shut up and accept it. Next comment, my brother commented again. He said, in regards to last week's episode, I'll, I'll read one of the points he made. He says, I heard that the Xbox Series X will be able to play Steam games and games on the Epic Game Store. If this turns out to be true, this will actually change the industry. Do you think this is likely? And then, you know, this is something I, I saw some websites reporting on things like this, but I decided not to talk about it because I really don't think this is the case at all. And while in theory that sounds cool because it plays into this Xbox mantra of just like fan service, just constantly give the people what they want, give them options, who gives a shit, you know, if it sounds like it's beneficial to the company, just be very, very pro-consumer. And in some way or form or fashion, the money will come and follow as a result of just giving players 
everything they could ask for, every option fathomable. But I think this might be a step too far, and that's why I don't buy this. Um, because, again, according to my like manifested idea of where Microsoft is taking the Xbox brand and what they're intending to do, I think it's all about the services more so the services in the games. And then of course the games sell the services uh, rather than the hardware itself. So that's why I feel like this is a little antithetical to what Xbox is going for, because sure. It's like, who cares if you can get Xbox live on PC or Nintendo switch or your iPhone, who cares? You know, either way you're subscribing to Xbox live and you're giving Microsoft money. But if you put something like steam or the Epic game store on Xbox, you're not really giving Microsoft money because Microsoft isn't banking on you to buy an Xbox so that you can play games from Steam on your Xbox. It's more likely that they're banking on you will buy any piece of hardware regardless of whether or not Microsoft makes it so that you can then subscribe to Game Pass or subscribe to Live and play Xbox games through that hardware. So I think this that would just be the idea of putting things like Steam in, in Epic Game Store while really interesting and enticing sounds cool on paper. I feel like that's a step too far to where it's like, okay, there's this isn't financially viable for Microsoft this is where it's like are you guys even trying to make your own console or your own like gaming platform anymore so I don't personally think that, that there's a chance that happens but it must be mentioned because it is a rumor that's going around it's it's gained a lot of traction and it's something worth thinking about for sure and again you know like I like I told my brother what the hell do I know I literally know nothing I'm I'm as a I am as knowledgeable on Xbox as anyone listening to the show maybe even less I just read news care about the platform and think about it sometimes. And these are just my opinions in regards to news that comes out on a weekly basis. So who the fuck knows? Maybe, maybe I'll look like a total dumbass in a year when we're all playing Half-Life 12 on our Xbox One X or something like that. Who knows? Whatever. So that's it for community feedback and, and replies and everything from previous episodes or from last week's show. And then before we get into the what I've been playing and then, of course, the news, I wanted to try out a new segment. Um, you know, aside from video games, there's a lot of things in this world I'm passionate about. Of course, Xbox being one of the, one of the top ones, video games in general being at the very top of that list but there are some other things I'm very passionate about I'm a very big fan of theme parks I'm a very big fan of music I'm a very big fan of of skinny jeans or I don't know but one thing I'm really passionate about that I just don't talk about enough is my love of food Um, and so I wanted to start a new segment called what I've been eating this is the segment where regardless of of what you think tastes good or is good for your body or whatever your personal preferences are regarding food, I'm going to tell you what I eat and you're just going to sit there and deal with it because this is my goddamn podcast. So this week I've been on a big kick of Five Guys. There's a there's a podcast I listen to. I actually reference it quite frequently on the show. It's called Sacred Symbols. It's actually it's a, it's a podcast about PlayStation actually. It's hosted by uh, one of my one of my most revered uh, one, a person I, I very much admire. His name is Colin Moriarty. He's a figure. He's a big controversial figure in the games industry for whatever reason. He's not a very controversial person. People just he's been painted in a bad corner. But regardless, I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of his podcast. He, he has a lot of great podcasts. But my, my my favorite one he does by far is is a PlayStation podcast. It's similar to this show, but it's just all about PlayStation. Although it's much more interesting and it's much more fleshed out. And he has a lot more perspective than I do. Regardless. So he, he he likes to talk about food sometimes in a tangent sort of way. And it's not like a segment he does, but it, it got me thinking. It's like, man, every time he talks about food, I get more interested in what he's saying than when I'm listening to him talk about video games or anything else. So I was like, why do I not talk about food more on my show? And so 
Anyway, I I want to just let you in on what I've been eating, and that's and this week it's been five guys. I've I've been there a total of two times in the past seven days. I've eaten a, a total of three of their burgers in the past seven days, and I got to tell you, I, I don't regret a single one. And if 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 five guys cheeseburgers are the reason why I'm dead at 27, then so fucking be it. Those are some goddamn delicious burgers, and I love their grilled onions, and I love their cheese, and everything there is beautiful. And in in the one by my by my place, the the one closest to where I live now is one of the best five guys locations i've ever been to they get it right a hundred percent of the time and just really grateful to five guys so shout out to five guys and if you don't like juicy disgusting greasy cheeseburgers then you're quite an awful person so let me know what you've been eating this week and yeah that's that's my new segment it's called what i've been eating uh, now we'll get into video games again if you must what i've been playing this this week i decided if i'm playing a game on another platform i won't go into detail on it but i'll still mention it in passing because it is what i've been playing i'm not going to act like i don't play other platforms while i definitely do like 85 percent, maybe even 90 percent these days of my gaming on xbox hardware i do play other platforms i have a nintendo switch it's it collects dust because it's basically a giant wii u port machine and i played the wii u so i don't need to play it a second time and it kind of gets way too much praise just for being portable, which is a cool gimmick, but it doesn't have any fucking games that are original. So, I mean, I'm sorry, I mean, Breath of the Wild is the greatest game. It's amazing. And then I do play PlayStation from time to time when there is a good exclusive worth playing. And so what I've been playing this week that isn't Xbox related is, is Days Gone. I mentioned it last week. Um, it's fine. I'm not that into it. It it reminds me a little, a little bit of a, a Horizon Zero Dawn. It's a game I thought I was really going to be into, and then I got down to playing it, and I realized I really don't care about it that much. So I'm kind of playing it just out of respect of my wallet since I spent money on it, but I don't think I'm going to stick with it much longer. In fact, every time I turn it off, I tell myself I'm done. I don't need to play anymore, but I really want to get my $20 worth, so I might, I might go back to that. But what I've really been playing this week, and this is on Xbox, of course, is Halo 4 and Halo 5 a lot. I don't know why. My, my plan was to finally get to Hellblade, but... I got into this kick, I don't know, the other day I just had this weird itch to play Halo 4 multiplayer, which is like, you know, for those who don't know, and I don't know why you wouldn't know if you're listening to an Xbox podcast, Halo 4's multiplayer is like largely regarded as like the worst Halo 4 multiplayer, and I don't think in a bad way, I don't think people like outright hate Halo 4 multiplayer, but I think it's considered to be like the biggest departure from traditional Halo, it's it's got a lot of like Call of Duty inspiration to it, it's a lot faster pace, it's got faster respawning, it's got lower time to kill, it's just... It's very, mm, I don't know, it just feels like it really gets away from what Halo multiplayer is all about and tries to take some inspiration from the games that were really popular at the time. And, you know, Halo 4 came out in 2012. That's like peak Call of Duty time. And and Halo, that's around the time Halo started waning in popularity a bit. Um, so, I don't know, there's a lot of controversy over Halo 4's multiplayer, but I actually happen to think it's a lot of fun. Maybe that's just because of my age. You know, Halo 4 came out at the tail end of my high school experience, so it just came out at a good time for me to enjoy the game regardless of how good or bad it was. I, I actually think Halo 4 is one of the best Halo games. The campaign is absolutely phenomenal. The story is top-notch. But I think the multiplayer is pretty good, and I, and I just, I, I don't know, I just had this weird itch to play it this week, and I just played, like, 10 hours maybe collectively this week of Halo 4 multiplayer but then I was also like but Halo 5 is definitely the best multiplayer and it is that's that's just an objective fact um so I played like another 10 to 15 hours of Halo 5 multiplayer this week and I just I don't know I've just been on a really big Halo multiplayer kick and I'm really enjoying that so hopefully I'll get to Hellblade next week um, but I'm trying to do this thing where if a game feels good and is fun to play I don't push myself to play something else just for the sake of feeling the pressure to keep up with the conversation and to be on on par with like all these games you're supposed to play as a fan or something like that because at the end of the day 
you're supposed to play games because you enjoy them. And so if playing Halo 4 for another 10 hours, which just puts my play time on Halo Master Chief Collection to like 8 billion days play, then so fucking be it. You know, I mean, that's what feels good. That's what I'm going to do. But um, yeah, hopefully I'll get to something new and exciting next week. If uh, unless unless I just keep feeling like playing Halo 5, which is a game that's so good that you are a very evil person. Uh, if you did not support it by spending a minimum of $60 on it back in 2015, rating it a minimum of 8 out of 10 using the IGN scale, and of course, join Reddit forums and whatnot to to defend, come to the defense of the game when Halo 2 fanboys bitched and moaned about how 343 is killing the Halo franchise, because we know those people are just uh, salty Star Wars Last Jedi fan er, haters, in disguise so nonetheless i will quit rambling and we will get into actual video game news now that we are like officially 20 minutes into this week's show this week we've got a couple of those not really news news stories uh to get out of the way just little tidbits that are in the realm of xbox the first one being that evanescence who i I didn't know was still around uh just released a new music video that features gears of war 5 in in the music video I feel like I'm like transported back to 2006 talking about this, but nonetheless, that is a thing. Uh, so, be sure to go ahead and, and check that out if you're an Evanescence fan or a Gears Five fan. The song that the music video is for is called "The The Chain." It made its television debut during the NFC, NFL season opener. And I've officially said like 12 things I don't care about in one sentence. So we're just going to move on. The second smaller news story is that the Halo TV series has given press a sneak uh, preview of Pablo Schreiber as Master Chief. He is the actor who's portraying John 117 or Master Chief in the show. And while, of course, none of those photos have leaked, so we haven't seen it. Apparently, the press knows what uh, this new Master Chief looks like in in the TV show. So I don't know what good that does us, but apparently it it was big enough to make news. So... There's that. Now let's get into some actual news, stuff we can actually give a shit about. Uh, our first story, and quite uh, probably the biggest one this week, being that Microsoft has come out and announced that basically the Xbox Series X will not have any console exclusives, at least for its first year. Meaning that nothing that comes out as like an Xbox first party game beginning from the console's release for about 12 to 18 months will be solely exclusive to Xbox Series X and PC, but rather it will also be playable on, you know, like your Xbox One X, your Xbox One S, your standard Xbox One. So it will at least be backwards compatible with the Xbox One generation is what that really means. And so the quote that Xbox Studios boss Matt Booty gave was, as our content comes out over the next year, two years, all of our games, sort of like PC, will play up and down the family of devices. And he he said this in an interview with MCV. Uh, he continues on by saying, we want to make sure that if someone invests in Xbox between now and Series X, they will feel like they've made a good investment and that we've committed to them with content, end quote. So people have long speculated that the Xbox will start supporting games in a similar fashion to how Apple supports like their various iPhones with the latest versions of iOS. And I've been inclined to agree with that. And this is just kind of confirming that. And what I mean by that is like, you you know how like you buy like iPhone 7 and you get the latest iOS. And then by the time I, iPhone 7 is like four or five years old, the iOS version that's coming out in those four or five years no longer supports iPhone 7 because it's basically Apple's way of saying, okay, we gave you four or five, six years of support. Time to upgrade your iPhone if you want to, you know, stay with the new version of software. And that's kind of what 
I, along with many in the industry, have speculated, uh, not to include myself in the industry, obviously I'm not in the industry, but I, along with other people who who are in the games industry, um, have speculated that this is kind of what Xbox's approach is, and that's what that's kind of what they meant when Xbox, you know, a year or two ago, Phil Spencer was talking about this whole, like, Scarlet will be the generation to end generations. This is the kind of stuff he's talking about, where, like, yes, Project Scarlet is the next generation Xbox, it is the thing that replaces Xbox One, but now we're just into this this is why one he says that and then two why the new console is called xbox and this model is called series x rather than this generation being called xbox series x because the whole point is it's now kind of like iphone it's like you got the xbox series x which is the latest xbox console it is the place to go for the best experience the best graphics the best performance of any xbox game but if you're still on xbox one we'll support you you can play your halo infinite on xbox one or xbox one x but it's not going to look as great it's not going to play as great as it would if you had xbox series x and then you know in a year or two maybe let's say gears 6 comes out and let's say that's in two or three years and then microsoft goes okay well here's the thing is gears 6 is a really ambitious game so what this means is unfortunately the day one xbox one the original box cannot support this game anymore because it just isn't powerful enough to support gear six but we are proud to announce that it will work of course just fine on your xbox series x the latest and greatest console from us but all of you who still are playing on xbox one x and have that six teraflops of power from 2017 you guys will absolutely still be able to play and enjoy gears of war six and so it's like that kind of thing right and then let's say two years after that it's like 2025 or something and now they've got this sequel to halo infinite coming out and they're like hey guys here's the thing we've got a mid-generation we've got a new console it's called the xbox series xl or something and so now you know halo infinite 2 is going to run on your xbox series x and your xbox series xl but it's not going to run on your xbox one x anymore we're dropping support for that console it's just not powerful enough to fulfill the visions we have and the and the ambitions we have for these new games it's just that kind of thing you know you know what i mean it's just like so it's it's kind of a game by game case by case basis if you have the most powerful box you're always gonna be able to play everything but as you know the years go on the games get more ambitious and powerful they'll slowly drop support for this console and this console and it'll happen kind of like a one-by-one scenario rather than the traditional hard cut generation of xbox series x comes out everything from the xbox one is now in the trash forget about it we're not doing that anymore and then you know xbox series x gets eight years and then we throw that in the trash and replace it with the new thing it's not that anymore it's just kind of this incremental things get added on things fall off kind of more fluid generational setup more akin to what we see happening on iphone and less so what we've traditionally seen in the video game space which will be super interesting to see because playstation's pretty much confirmed that they're absolutely sticking with what we traditionally have seen which is that playstation 5 will be a massive departure from playstation 4 playstation 4 games i mean the playstation 4 will not play playstation 5 games the playstation 5 will have exclusives that you could only play on playstation 5 the very standard kind of console generation we've seen so it'll be really interesting to see how this situation plays for microsoft and sony to see who benefits from it more and in what system ends up working the best but this is just really interesting because we've never seen anyone do this in the console space i don't know aren't you curious to see if this works out for microsoft i don't think this is a sure shot like win for them which is why you know i'm I'm a little hesitant to say that this is a great idea for them because they have a lot of momentum going into Series X. There's a lot of things about the Series X that looks really, really great, but this is this gives a lot of people reason to be like, why do I need a Series X? You know? 
And I and I know, like I myself keep saying, well, that's not what Microsoft's saying. They're not saying you have to have Series X. They're saying stick with your Xbox One X or go play our games on your iPhone through xCloud or on PC. We don't care. Just play our games. We don't care where you play them. But if you if you are playing a game of numbers, if you are playing, we want to outsell Sony. This isn't the way to do it. But maybe it is. I don't. There's just so many factors. There's so many ways you can cut this and look at it. That's just so hard to pick one specific stance and say I think this is what's happening. So I made a little pros and cons list. It's not so much a list. It's like two pros and one con. But I mean, this is these are a couple ways to look at it, right? So if you're looking at it from a pros perspective, you can say, well, obviously this is extremely consumer friendly. It gives last generation users a taste of what's next and potentially holds those users to your brand during the next generation move. So. For example, you know, a big reason why a lot of people jumped to PlayStation 4 from Xbox 360 was because Xbox dropped the marketing on the Xbox One when they announced it. And so PlayStation, you know, swept in and looked really cool. And then the whole gaming universe, since it's full of gamers who can't think for themselves, they decided, well, now I need to reference what people on the Internet are telling me is cool. And so if everyone on Twitter and everyone on Reddit is telling you, hey, guys, new rule, Xbox is stupid because they they announced the console the wrong way. And PlayStation's cool because the guy handed a guy a video game case and it was a really funny video. So now we got to play PlayStation. So now a bunch of people are saying, well, I'm abandoning my gamer tag. I'm abandoning my gamer score. I'm abandoning my Xbox Live account. See ya, Xbox. I'm going to PlayStation 4, but this offers gamers an opportunity or not an opportunity, but this offers, this puts gamers in a tough spot where now it's harder to do that. And this is what I mean by that. So if you're thinking, you know, let's say something happens this generation where let's say in three months, Microsoft holds a press event and they're like, here's the Series X. We're going to show it off in full detail. We're going to tell you everything about this console. And then X, and then Phil Spencer gets on, on, on stage and like slips up and he starts talking about how like all these stupid things he does and he starts talking dirty about women and then he gets canceled and then and then he's like oh in the new xbox it only supports you know english speaking countries and then everyone everyone calls him out and he gets me too and then xbox looks bad and they screw up xbox and we cancel xbox and then playstation gets on stage and like here's the playstation 5 it's 350 dollars. it's got 10 new exclusive games only cost 13 dollars each it's amazing it's the greatest console ever and games are three times more powerful than anything you've ever seen before everyone's gonna go oh fuck xbox i'm going with playstation 5 but if xbox comes out and says hey if you don't have the money or the opportunity right now to upgrade to next generation here's what we'll we'll tell you this as long as you stick with xbox one we'll keep giving you next generation games on those consoles so that you have time to save up the money to figure out what you want to do and it kind of entices players to stay in that ecosystem by saying here's a taste of what's next are you hesitant about should i go with ps5 or xbox series x we'll tell you what we'll let you play halo infinite or massive or zelda breath of the wild equivalent for the series x we'll let you play that on your xbox one here you go and then play a game like that and say to yourself well do i want to go with playstation 5 or series x because i know series x has is going to have awesome games like halo infinite and then it's not like it's not like playstation's letting you have a taste of playstation 5 games by letting you play them on your ps4 so it's just an opportunity for you to stay further ingratiated in that ecosystem so it's like don't you love your gamer score don't you love your friends list don't you love xbox live don't you love game pass we'll just we'll give you all of that next gen experience to some extent on older hardware as long as you just stick with us for a while and i think that's a really good way to keep people like keep them feeding from the xbox hand and keep them in that ecosystem so obviously that's an extreme example but the point i'm just trying to make is that i think that's a really good way to keep people feeling comfortable on your platform and making it an easier decision for them to stay where they know and to stay where they've been which hopefully for you is on xbox it's a, it seems like a, a good move to keep xbox gamers on xbox the other thing is that 
there's of course the the cons list, which is you're worrying about ruining the appeal and the brand of the Xbox Series X by saying, okay, like if you're a PlayStation gamer and you look at the Xbox Series X, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm a little interested in the Series X. It looks pretty powerful. It looks like Xbox is getting their shit together and the marketing's all right. And this console generation, they're not going to drop the ball during the reveal like they did last time. But you know, they're talking about all these new games, this Hellblade 2, this this Halo Infinite, but why can't I just play that on my, why can't I just go buy a an Xbox all digital edition, an Xbox One all digital edition for like 150, 200 bucks and just play those games on there, you know, it's so much cheaper or I'll just go play on my PC, fuck that, you know. So it, it makes the Series X kind of just objectively look less exciting because it's not like, here's this new shiny box with new shiny games that can only be played on this new shiny box. It's like saying, here's this new shiny box with some new shiny games that look best on these on this new shiny box but you can technically play them in a bunch of other places too if you really want to and again to me I just see that as that is just Microsoft screaming what I've been saying that again they're not concerned with you know the only way to play our games is on Xbox they don't care if you decide to buy a Series X great if you decide to play their games on PC also great and this is what moves like this show me is that they're confident that that's the way to go and they're confident in their decision to do that and these are the kinds of news stories that affirm my belief that that's what their plan is because I mean sure it looks bad from from the perspective of we've always seen console generations be out with the old in with the new but if you're looking at it from this perspective of only the people like we're only trying to get you in the door with this console if you really really want the most powerful premier place to play games otherwise play them wherever you want then I think this is again just another one of those Xbox moves where it's like seems risky probably is risky might be a little underwhelming to some people depending on how you look at it but at the end of the day this is just a really pro-consumer move that just gives everyone more choices of what to play where to play it and makes Xbox overall in my opinion just a more appealing brand I mean sure it's 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 less of a haha we have Halo Infinite and you don't kind of move if if you can just come back with well I can play Halo Infinite on literally anything but it's also more of like a haha your brand kind of sucks thing because you guys are pigeonholing people into this one $500 console and nothing else if you want to experience I don't know what PlayStation 5 games they're going to make like Uncharted 7, Drake's Ultimate Deception, or whatever they call it. But, and I don't know, there's just a lot of ways to slice this and look at it, and in, in some ways I understand why this is kind of like, oh, that's an unfortunate move, but in a lot of ways I see why it's a really awesome pro-consumer move, so only time will tell if this pans out for Microsoft, but I think by far this is one of the riskier moves they've made in a while, even to some extent more risky than than putting all their first-party games on Game Pass day, like release day, like day and date. So we'll see, again, how this pans out, but... I'm excited just at the idea that more people are going to get to play Xbox games for cheaper and on more devices because Xbox is just opening the gates for so many people to get in get in there and enjoy these games. So that's a good thing, in my opinion. All right, that's a really long first story. Now we'll just kind of speed through some less interesting stories. Uh, our next like, technically big one, but not too much to say about it, is that Square Enix has announced that the Crystal Dynamics-developed game Marvel's Avengers has been delayed. Uh, so they made an official they made an official announcement the other day on Twitter. Actually, they announced it. So I'll, I'll just go ahead and read what they said. It was it was released by the co-heads of the studio at Crystal Dynamics. So this is what they said. They said, "Quote at Crystal Dynamics." Our ambition is to always 
has always been to deliver the ultimate Avengers game experience. In order to achieve that goal, we have made the difficult decision to move the release date of Marvel's Avengers to September 4th, 2020. And it goes on to say, as fans ourselves, it's an honor and a privilege to work with these legendary characters and we know that these superheroes mean to us true believers around the world. When we set out to bring this vision of Marvel's Avengers, we committed to delivering an original story-driven campaign, engaging co-op, and compelling and compelling content for years to come. To that end, we will spend the additional development time focusing on fine-tuning and polishing the game to the high standards of our fans, what they expect and deserve. The worldwide teams working on Marvel's Avengers sincerely appreciate the support you've shown us. We thrive on your enthusiasm and feedback and can't wait to show you more. We apologize for the delay. We're confident that we'll be the work will be worth the wait, et cetera. So um, this is exactly like what happens to every big game these days. So it's not, it's not a big deal. Delays are pretty common. Uh, games take a lot of time to make and etc of course delaying a game is always a much better thing than pushing it out before it's ready so that's all good and dandy however what this does say to me if there is any doubt that this game would eventually not make its way to next gen hardware that is now squash as this is definitely like an absolute confirmation to me that crystal knight dynamic is making this game eventually going to be um available for ps5 and xbox series x as they're building you know a persistent game they're building their kind of destiny or the division kind of equivalent and so you know you can't release a game like this in september when you know presumably ps5 and series x will be out in like november december probably november maybe even october and then just you know be like hey i hope you're enjoying our new game even though these new consoles just came out you got to enjoy our persistent game that's going to be supported for years to come on this old hardware so even if it takes like six months to a year for it to show up on next gen consoles which i don't think is the case i think it's very likely that you see these games released like two months after this game is probably released two months after it comes out in september on xbox one or xbox series x and ps5 so don't be surprised if that's the case in fact this delay might even have something to do with that although i'm not too sure but yeah just i don't see how you're gonna announce a game that's this big and and has like the longevity of like a destiny game where you're supposed to play it for years to come and then be like oh yeah by the way it's only available on last gen hard hardware not that of course you can play it on the xbox series x or ps5 but let's be honest you know if you buy marvel's avengers for xbox one and then two months later you're playing the xbox series x you're gonna be like damn wouldn't it be cool if this game was like up and like scaled to the power of this new console so I, I find it hard to believe they're not they're not working on that but nonetheless the game's been delayed till september 4th it was originally set for release i believe sometime in may may 20th or something like that so a little bit of a, a delay about a whole season's worth of a delay but who cares? Just enjoy the game when it comes out. There's plenty of other shit to play. Uh, our next story is that Sony's absence uh, from E3 that was seen last year will continue next year. So, of course, this is an Xbox podcast, but I think this Sony story is extremely relevant to what's happening in Xbox. So Sony, yeah, they announced again in 2020, hey, for the second year in a row, we're not showing up at E3, which is pretty shocking to me because even though I thought last year when Sony announced, hey, we're not coming to E3, I thought that was like a well, they'll be back next year when the PS5 comes out, but who knows, this might be the beginning of them going away forever. But, you know, now that they've announced, hey, even though we've got a brand new console coming out this year, we're still not going to E3, that says to me, like, Sony's out for good. This is it. Like, if they can't even if they can't even see the value in showing up to E3 and holding a press conference the year that they release a new next-gen hardware piece of hardware, then 
they probably just don't see the value in E3 at all. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is the end, but uh, this was their official little blurb they announced in regards to the announcement. They said, after th- a thorough evaluation, Sony Interactive Entertainment has decided not to participate in E3 2020. We have great respect for the Entertainment Software Association as an organization, but we do not feel the vision of E3 2020 is the right venue for what we are focused on this year, which definitely screams, hey, we're going to have our own playstation event pretty soon doing a tell-all all all about the ps5 as well as continue to do what they call the state of play which are kind of like inside xbox or nintendo directs where they kind of do these bite-sized announcement videos from time to time but nonetheless i mean that's a huge deal you know e3 what does that mean for for xbox now it means that at e3 this year sony's not going to be there at all nintendo's not going to be there in a physical sense like they haven't been for many years now of course they'll still do their direct during e3 week but they're not going to be at e3 in the traditional sense but xbox will because xbox has already confirmed hey we're going to be at e3 so that means the xbox series x and all of microsoft's announcements about xbox series x regarding all the games are going to be front and center it's going to be the only like console maker manufacturer at the show it's it's going to be you know the third parties which some of even have bowed out in recent years like ea and then it's going to be xbox all over the place which is just a lot more extra spotlight for microsoft in fact microsoft even made an announcement confirming they'll be at e3 uh, after sony made this announcement per phil spencer's personal twitter account he says quote our team is hard at work on e3 we look forward to sharing with all who love to play what's ahead for us our art form has consistently been propelled by the cross-section of creativity and technical progress. 2020 is a milestone year in that journey for Team Xbox. So it's just kind of like a hey, wondering where we stand on E3, we're still coming. So, I mean, this doesn't, of course, this doesn't mean that, you know, Sony can't one-up them or try to stick it to them by saying, hey, we're going to do a whole E3-like presentation around the week of E3. You know, they're not, they might be like, hey, we're not, we're not giving Xbox all of that event to have the spotlight on the Series X. They might decide to host an event right before E3 or during E3 or right after E3 that is separate from the show to kind of get people all into PlayStation 5. Who knows? But, Regardless, if you're talking about E3 proper, Microsoft now has the floor entirely to themselves, and that's dangerous for the competition. This is just another example of like Microsoft being really outspoken about, hey, we're here, we're all about next generation, we're talking about it, this is what we're doing, and Sony being very, very quiet and protective over what they're working on, which, again, as I don't know, the way I see this is this is either... This is Sony's continued silence regarding the PlayStation 5 is either a super smart move or a really, really awful move. And again, only time will tell what what the what the result is. But this is either one of those things where Sony's sitting back and saying, you know, let Microsoft show off their next console. Let them show a video. Let them announce some games. Let them talk about the name. Let them do all this stuff and just and just get people so excited about their console. And then when the time is right. We're just going to come out and info dump all over the public and we're going to show them why the Series X is stupid, why our console is way better, why our games are way better, and we're going to make them look like trash. Of course, I don't think this is the case because people in the industry know stuff and, you know, Sony can't really make a new console without someone at Xbox knowing what's going on and vice versa. So it's not likely that, like, 
Sony's console is way more powerful and compelling than Microsoft's and that they're going to let Microsoft spill the beans and then wait a little bit and then make a mess or make a fool of Microsoft when they decide to announce something. Although that sounds like a like a cool, like savage kind of move for them to make, I don't think that's a possibility because everyone at Microsoft knows roughly what Sony's working on and everyone at Sony knows roughly what Microsoft's working on. And that's why they have to be competitive so much so in a traditional sense because it's not like you know Sony has like this big kind of shiny red button they can press to launch a tactical nuke that's going to make the Xbox Series X look super weak and lame by comparison. That's just not going to happen. But, I mean, there could be something up their sleeves that we just don't know about that's going to make the PS5 look super enticing, way more so than the, the Series X. And Sony's just waiting for Microsoft to kind of get all their big news out and to let the dust settle before they pull that secret weapon out and just kind of make Xbox look really weak and lame by comparison. But I just don't see that happening personally. Um, so again, we'll see. Only time will tell. Right now, the rumor is that Sony's going to do a whole console reveal in February, which kind of makes sense only because in 2013, when the PS4 was formally announced, that's what they did in November or in February that year. They had a, a whole reveal event and they kind of hogged the spotlight for a handful of months before we learned about Xbox One. So they could be looking to do that again. But I still think Xbox is going to have their own console reveal event like they did last time, like they always do. So to me, this just says Microsoft's going to E3 and they're going to have their own console reveal event, whereas Sony's just going to have one of those things. So that's two times we get to hear all about the Xbox Series X, and that's one time we get to hear about the PS5, which, you know, I don't know if things could change. They could bring back PSX, which is like a Xbox, which sorry, which is very similar to XO19, that one of those types of events that they haven't done in a while, but maybe they could bring it back this year for the PS5. Who knows? There's a lot of things Sony could do, and it's very sneaky because, you know, they, they're they so quiet that they could pull any move out of their pocket at any moment and catch everyone by surprise, whereas Microsoft seems to be a little more transparent about what their what their game plan is, so you never, you never know. Although, Microsoft has shocked us and surprised us. I mean, no one saw the reveal of the Xbox Series X coming until, like, right before it happened, so who knows, but Nonetheless, our next story there is that this is a kind of a smaller one, but of big importance, of course. Uh, and it's that Microsoft is working on software uh, that scans conversations had over online services like Xbox Live and tracks suspicious discourse in an effort to provide further safety measures and to reduce the possibility of online sexual harassment. According to a story from AP News, Microsoft says it's it's. It has developed a technique to detect online predators who try and groom children for sexual purposes using the chat function in multiplayer video games. The company has announced Thursday that its sharing tool with nonprofit organizations and other gaming and messaging service developers. Nicknamed Project Artemis, the tool automatically scans text-based conversations and rates them on probability that the users might be trying to sexually exploit children. Human moderators are then able to review flagged conversations to determine if they should report them to law enforcement. An engineering team led by digital forensics expert Hanny Farid developed the technique. Microsoft worked with Farid and the makers of the messaging services like Keek and the popular game Roblox. It will be distributed for free starting Friday through anti-trafficking group Thorn. So, of course, I mean, there's not much to talk about or speculate with this. It's just a really positive news story. It's a nice thing to get out there. It's good to see sometimes something in our our corner of the world our, our obsessive video games universe where we fixate over you know playstation versus xbox and really talk about all these things that don't really mean anything of importance in the grand scheme of life and, and kind of see something a new story like this come out where it actually does pertain to something a little more important in in the 
in the larger scope of the world. And it's awesome to see Xbox, you know, partnering with these different companies and teams to implement something really important like this while you know this isn't fun and cool like oh man we're getting this new game on xbox it's really awesome to see them uh focusing on something like this to you know protect like it talks about the uh, developers of the game roblox that's the perfect example of a game where you know there's just a lot of like just dumbass little kids dicking around on this stupid roblox game and you never know what kind of fucking creepy pervs are on the other end trying to lure kids in for whatever the hell they want to do. And it's nice that Xbox is looking out for stupid defenseless little kids that don't know any better and to find a way to expose and eradicate these kinds of awful people, of course, uh, that would do something so awful. But yeah, like I said, nothing to really like divulge here. It's just a feel-good story, and it's good to know that Microsoft and others out there are working to make sure issues like this are reduced and minimized as much as possible. And now back to something a little less important, the kind of stuff we're normally used to talking about, video games. So three, this is like three separate stories I just lumped into one because this is where I'm going to talk about three games this week that have made the rounds for leaks or rumors that are coming out soonish or may not be real at all. The first one is the one that may not be real at all. It is a new Star Wars game that is penned for a 2021 release, and it's supposed to take place after the events of The Rise of Skywalker, the latest movie, and it's supposed to be like the the piece of Star Wars canon that ushers in this new era of Star Wars in the post-Rise of Skywalker timeline. So that's really interesting to me, mostly just for the, the sake of like, God, can we please get something in the Star Wars universe that's not about Jedis? Uh, Jedi boys, or more important than that, not even Jedi. I don't mind it being about Jedi. Can we just get something in Star Wars that's not about Luke Skywalker and his five friends that are all somehow interconnected in this, what we're, what we're told to be is a massive universe, but still somehow, like, even though it's this massive universe made of, like, many, many solar systems and planets and all this shit, it's just, like, all about ten people. And if, if Star Wars didn't feel small enough, The Rise of Skywalker made it feel even smaller by tying everything back to the one and only bad guy that's allowed to exist in all of Star Wars. But nonetheless, hopefully this game will show us something new in this franchise for once and, and not attempt to show us something new and then ride over it once people start bitching about it because people can't handle us challenging anything. We just Everything has to be about the same good guy versus the same bad guy and... If you can't tell that I'm really jaded on this, I am, and it's because fanboys suck and because creatives constantly bend the knee to little fuckboys, and yeah, I'll stop talking about Star Wars. I'll just wrap that one up with this. Uh, The next Halo game better be about Master Chief, and if it's not, I'll fucking kill 343 Studios because they ruined Halo. Uh, Number two, our next game that's leaked or rumored, and it's probably definitely true, is this year's 2020 Assassin's Creed game, which is, according to leaks, is set to take place in like a Nordic setting. Similar, the game would be called Assassin's Creed Ragnarok. It would be very similar setting-wise, kind of to what Sony Santa Monica did with the 2018 soft reboot of the God of War franchise, uh, which would be a really cool setting for Assassin's Creed. If you think this isn't a true leak or rumor if you don't think this is like real then you're living under a rock because it is like like as sure as i am the sun will rise tomorrow i am sure that every assassin's creed game will be leaked fully before it is properly revealed because that is always what happens so if even like the most sketchy like unreliable site is telling you that they've leaked the new assassin's creed and that it takes place in like a nordic setting it's probably right because that's just always what happens so look forward to that if you play assassin's creed I have better things to do with my time than play Assassin's Creed, like play Far Cry. It's a much better Ubisoft game. 
But if you enjoy Assassin's Creed, I hope you uh, will love to explore a massive open world game for the next hundred hours of your life. Because unfortunately, there are just not enough of those in our uh, in in our industry. Um, and then the final game, and this is one that's obviously coming out, it's just been teased, and the more concrete of the three um, is that WB or this this article, this excerpt I'm about to read is from GameSpot. Uh, but WB Games Montreal has been hinting at what appears to be a new Batman game, and the studio has now dropped another new teaser. The latest comes from in the form of multiple images that fit together to form a single crest the teaser drops across social media sites like facebook instagram twitter and can be put together into one image the image is a composite to show a crest similar to the american government iconography uh, with an eagle on top of it the teasers were accompanied by the slogan capture the king and uh for those that don't know wb montreal is the studio behind the spin-off prequel Bat- Batman Arkham Origins. They made the spin-off game whereas um, whereas Rocksteady Studios is the team behind the original trilogy, the Batman Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham Knight uh, series. They announced a long time ago when Arkham Knight was coming out that that was the end of them working on the Batman series. So we knew that for a long time uh, and many have speculated that WB Montreal would come back to make new entries in the series. Um, after Rockstay's departure, and it looks like that's what's happening here. While I don't give a shit enough to speculate what's happening here because I don't care about Batman whatsoever, um, I will say this. People really like these games, and it looks like there's a new one coming out, and if you're excited about that, I'm happy for you, but I'm not going to sit here and speculate on these teaser images. We'll just wait for a full game reveal to discuss just what it is, although I'd expect it to be you know, more Batman with that kind of... People say it's actually a great game. I really do need to play the original Arkham Asylum because I actually think it looks great. The combat looks fantastic. The graphics look good. And if it's anything like the Nolan movies, it will it will have that ability to make me enjoy Batman despite not traditionally being a Batman fan. So whatever, we're getting a new we're getting a new Batman game, and all this really triggers in my head. All this really you know makes me think about is what the hell is Rocksteady working on? It's been like five years since Arkham Knight and. They've been talking about doing something else. There've been rumors about like a Justice League or a Superman game, but they just they have not announced their next project yet. And they're really talented developers, so I'm just like, what the hell are you guys up to? But nonetheless, Batman is getting a new game, Capture the Night. There's another tease about an owl or something. Uh, Batman and the Order of the Owls, something like that. So look into that or or stay tuned for more information if you're excited for this next Batman game. Then we got a little some little um little quick story. Sea of Thieves is getting its of course, it constantly gets content updates. Its latest update adds six new achievements to the swashbuckling pirate adventure game. News comes from achievements. Uh, trueachievements.com and says that the Legends of the Sea expansion will celebrate legendary Sea of Thieves players. An NPC called Umbra, 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 Umbra something has been added, and she will send you out on a voyage to find Sea of Thieves Easter eggs that have already been immortalized. Uh, some of them more notable to players and content creators from a across the Sea of Thieves community. As a reward, you'll receive new accommodations and new tattoos and, of course, new achievements. Um, So that's that. Look forward to that if you're a Sea of Thieves player. Um, And then our next story, and this is kind of our wrap-up story, but also kind of a big one. I don't know why I put this so far down the list. This is actually probably the second or third biggest story of the week so look at that you got some something at the end here a little nice treat so this is also coming from way of but it's been making the rounds pretty much everywhere so despite microsoft's large growth in terms of 
uh, internal first-party teams seemingly coming to an end. It appears that Microsoft may still be open to the idea of expanding and growing the in-house de development teams further. Uh, speaking with Stiviver, Phil Spencer made the comment uh, that he is pleased with the, quote, geographic diversity that we've been growing our studios. Uh, before going on to add that, if you look at Asia, we don't have any first-party studios in Asia. I think that it's an opportunity for us. Uh, and quote, he adds that Microsoft's fast-paced acquisitions aren't simply an effort to snap up games and, or names and brands, but rather, quote, it's not about the logo parade or the look at what we acquired this week, but really it's about what games the studios are going to build, end quote. So this year is really important because this is actually uh, this is actually something I really believe in too. P like, for example, if, if you'll allow me to tangent and allow me to indulge for a minute, Microsoft and Sony both have this problem. If I can just speak objectively without the bias of my preference for Xbox, which I absolutely have, uh, but Microsoft and Xbox both have an issue with their first party lineup that this is going to sound very fanboy -y. I think Microsoft is currently, it hasn't been proven yet, but I think Microsoft is currently on track to address this problem sooner than Sony is. And what the problem is, is the kind of diversity in the portfolio. In fact, we've we've seen Phil Spencer talk about this pretty much that the entire generation. It was the whole reason for that rise of the Tomb Raider temporary exclusivity on Xbox One. It was Microsoft's way of saying, hey, we know that we have this kind of perception of being the Call of Duty platform, which is funny because Call of Duty is now like the PlayStation partnership and no one gave them shit for that. Plus, Call of Duty's always been multi-platform, so it's not really an Xbox thing. But they know that they've always had the stigma of being like, yeah, 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 you got Halo, Gears, and Forza. What else you got? It's always been those three. What else is there? We get it. Halo, Gears, shooter guys, military, bro shooters, cars. What else? What do you have other than these super American-centric action shooty games? And Xbox has done a really good job under Phil Spencer's leadership of addressing this you know matt booty and phil spencer and the team have gone out on you know two years ago there's that massive shopping spree and and it resulted in the formation of the uh the initiative which i'm so excited to learn about whatever the hell they're working on obviously we acquired all these different teams with so many of them now we've got like ninja theory we've got undead labs we've got obsidian we've got mo yang we've got an exile we've got double fine compulsion all these studios on top of you know 343 industries the coalition rare uh, playground games which is newly acquired despite usually working with xbox and now they're apparently making something outside of forza they're apparently making a fable game so it's just we've got such a diversity of studios in xbox's wheelhouse these days which is such an awesome thing but xbox is still lacking in one very major part of the games industry which is you know a, an industry or or a genre a type of game that i'm not usually a big fan of or a style of game that you know is so incredibly indelible to the history of gaming but in my opinion has fell so much the wayside in recent years and that's you know the japanese games whether it be a jrpg a, J a japanese action game a fucking whatever it is japanese games are they're mostly just free-to-play mobile garbage these days or final fantasy little pretty boy games but you know, Japanese games are super, super important to gaming history, um, even if it is all just Kingdom Hearts bullshit these days. Because, I mean, like, you got, like, your Metal Gear Solids and and all this stuff. But then, if of course, if you look back in history, Japanese companies are the ones that really define gaming. You're fucking, like, Konami, Capcom, Nintendo, all these companies that, that are the ones responsible for most of our respective love for video games. You know, obviously... 
PlayStation, despite being Sony, despite being a Japanese company, is largely run from the PlayStation division from North America these days. If you didn't know that, um, I mean, and just look at their first party lineup. If you need further proof of that, I mean, like Naughty Dog, Sony Santa Monica, um, Sony Bend, all these studios are just—they're all pretty much all of Sony's teams are on like the West Coast United States. And while they do have Japanese teams, and while, of course, they are still a Japanese company, they understand that the games that sell really well, the games that catch attention, the big first-party games that are pushing the industry further than ever before are the Western games. Now, of course, it's been expanding a lot into a lot of European studios in recent years, like CD Projekt Red, but a lot of the games that are at the a lot of the studios that are at the forefront of of making the biggest and baddest games in the industry right now are the american games but that doesn't mean that there isn't a massive demand for japanese games and we still see that like anytime square enix puts out a game it sells like crack konami capcom these resident evil remakes that, that they've been making over at capcom they're selling incredibly well japanese developers are still super indelible and super important to the industry and there are still massive audiences that are hungry for these types of games but Microsoft has always been the weakest when it comes to being able to supply and cater to those markets. One, because it's just turned out to be a thing where Xbox gamers don't generally tend to be interested in Japanese games. Um, and then Jap the Japanese market doesn't give a shit about Xbox at all. Um, they seem to be very much like, hey, we're only interested in PlayStation and Nintendo and fuck right off uh, Microsoft. So it's just always been that back and forth thing. But we've seen Phil Spencer time and time again talk about how like, I'm not giving up on Japan just yet. And obviously his quote just vaguely says Asia, but I really hope what he's referring to is Japan. Because if you're talking about Asia in a general sense, you're really just talking about China or Japan or Korea when it comes to game development. Now, there are some studios that have been popping up in like Indonesia and Thailand and things like that. But really, the games industry, as far as the East goes, is really just relegated to, of course, Japan, which is the biggest place outside of the United States of America for games. And then you've got China, which is just like obsessed in like free to play mobile games and just companies like Tencent who just buy up everything and give weird CD money to all these companies. And then you've got Korea, which is like making a bunch of free-to-play games like your League of Legends and other things that are games guaranteed to give you nosebleeds because you're a fucking nerd if you play them. But so I, I just read this and immediately, you know, Japan clicks in my mind. And I hope that's what Phil Spencer's talking about. And just how cool would it be if Microsoft made an excellent first-party studio in Japan? And I'm not talking about buying a studio. I'm not talking about like, going to like a Capcom or a Konami or a Platinum Games and being like, hey, name your price. We want to buy you because I don't think that's what's happening. Although it would be cool if they built if they bought Platinum, but there's no way in hell that's happening. Um, but rather, if they just formed a studio in Japan and put them set them out on the, uh, the task to just make a game, whatever the hell you want, but make it big, make it bad, and make it a game that will appeal to the Japanese market because Xbox has a real image problem in the East and they have a really hard time selling these consoles and th this platform, these services to the Asian market, which is a huge loss for them because especially when you consider China, oh my God, that's a massive market. It would be so good for Xbox to have a bigger foothold in especially China. But even Japan, there's a huge player base in Japan and Korea. There's just like massive gaming countries that just that just Microsoft has no presence in because not not due to lack of effort, but just due to lack of appeal. Um, and so I hope that's what Phil Spencer's talking about here. Uh, but the other thing he could be talking about is 
unfortunately partnering with companies like Tencent, which I really, really hope he's not. Because as I've said before, I think Tencent is a disgusting, creepy company. They're weird. They're communists. They don't make games. They just have all this fucking money and they throw it to mobile developers and more recently like normal developers. They've been giving money to Blizzard. They owe like they own like 5% of Activision Blizzard. They owe part of Ubisoft now. Uh, they've been giving money to Bungie. They just gave Platinum Games a bunch of money so Platinum can go independent. But it's really creepy and I don't know what they're doing and I, I just don't like these weird, vague communist countries giving lots of money to game studios and it makes me uncomfortable. So I really hope Microsoft is not talking about getting in bed with companies like Tencent. But I, again, I don't think they have any reason to because it's not like Microsoft is a company that could benefit from the funding. You know, Microsoft is one of the biggest companies on, on the planet. They could, they could out, they could buy out Tencent if they really wanted to, not that they would be interested in. So I don't think that is what this is referring to. And I hope it's not, but I do hope what this is referring to is that while nothing is confirmed or nothing's concrete, Phil Spencer, Matt Booty, team at Xbox is co contemplating starting up a studio in Japan. Um, maybe, maybe it is one in Indonesia or or Thailand or something like that. Or may, who knows? Maybe it's one in Korea. Um, I mean, one thing Microsoft does have to their advantage that PlayStation doesn't have is that obviously Xbox is strongly associated with PC, especially more and more these days. And the Eastern markets really, really like PC gaming, particularly um, China and Korea. So if if that means, you know, having a company like in exile or forming a new studio that can make kind of a, a fucking RTS or, or something like that, maybe that would be to their benefit and they can help penetrate that market as a result of that. But nonetheless, uh, I'm excited to see if something ever comes of this because I would love, I would greatly welcome Microsoft to have a Japanese studio. Uh, I know I, I actually bash on JRPGs all the time, but I actually think it'd be awesome if if uh, Microsoft brought in a, um, a Japanese team and, and said, "Hey, I want like we want an exclusive Japanese role playing game for the Xbox console family." Like, I think that'd be cool if if the stipulation was like no anime hair, no no boys in pretty clothes driving cars. It has to be like a traditional Japanese role-playing game. It can be fantasy, it can be sci-fi, but we're not making it all like weird about packets of ramen and little trinkets, toys, and like a like shiny stuff it's like actually got to be a video game with substance and it can't be convoluted like kingdom hearts like as long as that's the stipulation like that'd be a cool game and i'd be really interested in seeing xbox expand and i think you'll see that a lot as we head into this next generation that xbox really isn't just halo and gears of war like like people think and we're going to see this with games like grounded and we see this with things like minecraft and we're going to see this more and more is that xbox is making everything from these small like indie looking games to, like these big triple a games and some of them are Metroidvanias and some of them are shooters and some of them are action adventure games and it's not all just your action-y military bro shooters like the perception used to be 10-15 years ago so that's exciting and I really hope to see them expand more and in a perfect world Microsoft would just hear my cries and they would they'd buy out Sega and they'd say hey listen you're making Fantasy Star and Sonic the Hedgehog and Crazy Taxi and they're all Xbox exclusives and Every Sonic game has to be like triple A, like quadruple A tier and has to be 3D and has to be very well polished and has to be approved by Jesse DeRosa to make sure it's not a stupid Sonic Forces like game and it's more like a Sonic Unleashed, but just let me dream. And that's going to do it for our news. This has turned out to be a very long episode. I guess I was just excited to rant a lot this week. But thanks for listening. Uh, let's let's just wrap up with the new game releases and the games with gold, of course, as a reminder for you. There isn't much happening. Obviously, it's still January. It's still early in the year. There's not many games coming out. But 
if you are looking to spend some money on on some new games this week, you've got uh, Without Escape Console Edition, which is coming out. The screenshot just those shows like the steampunk basement horror looking thing. I assume this is like um, it looks kind of like the queue for the Universal Studios attraction, or I'm sorry, it looks like the queue for the Islands of Adventure attraction, Hagrid's motorbike adventure. Um, so I assume this is some like Harry Potter sex slave dungeon. So if you're into that kind of like Harry Potter sex sim then go ahead, play Without Escape Console Edition. It's probably just some kinky-ass British stuff. Uh, our next game is called Sherlock Holmes Crime and Punishment Redux. Um, it just shows some very nicely... Speaking of England, it shows some very nice, uh, well-dressed British folk, and they're standing here, and this one guy's pointing to this other guy, and this other guy's looking over his shoulder at the guy who's pointing to him, and I think they're about to have some sexual encounter together. They look very sexually charged, which is nice. I'm okay with that, but there is this like uh, there's this policeman in the background watching both of them, so I don't know if this is going to turn into a threesome or if that cop is going to stop them for a public display of affection or what's going to happen, but... It is a very interesting-looking screenshot nonetheless, so I might have to look into that Sherlock Holmes game. Our next game is going to be called The Surge 2 Kraken. This is an expansion to The Surge 2, uh, which was released sometime last fall, I think like August, September, somewhere around that era. I really want to play Surge 2. I want to find out what that game is all about. It actually looks really good, but other than that, I don't know anything about it. Then, if you are an awful person, if you are a greasy, slimy little fuckboy weeaboo, We've got Dragon Ball Z, Kakarot, Kakarot. Judging by the screenshot, it looks like you're one of those little weeby fuckboys. You have the ability to make large balls of energy and throw them around and do stupid shit with them and get stronger and have your hair turn yellow because that means you're really strong and stupid shit like that. Um, so if you have no life, if you enjoy Hot Pockets, go ahead and drink your fucking Mountain Dew and eat your Hot Pockets and play Dragon Ball Z. Next up, we've got... Uh, Hover Ship Havoc, which looks like some kind of top-down gunner, which looks kind of interesting. It's a twin-stick shooter. I like games like that, so I won't make fun of it. And then our final game for the week is Far Out. Far Out is like, um, I don't know if that's like a space game or if that means it's like a it's like a 70s game. It's like Far Out, dude. It's like a really cool game. So I don't know what to say about the game other than it's Far Out. So if you're interested in games that are really cool, games that are really Far Out, definitely play that game it's not xbox one x enhanced so it's probably garbage and then as a reminder our games with gold this month are sticks shards of darkness which you can still get through the end of the month batman the telltale series which is available starting today and going through february 15th and then you've now officially missed out on tekken 6 so boohoo you suck and then the last one being lego star wars the original trilogy which again is now available beginning today running through the rest of the month so those are your backwards compatible games those last two and that's going to do it for this month make sure you download these games if they are free if you have gold and then we'll learn about next month's games pretty soon probably the next week here so that's going to do it for this week's episode as always i'm extremely tired from talking to myself for an hour straight but i appreciate you listening i would hope that you would leave a nice review i would hope that if you happen to be a japanese listener that you've been greatly offended by my comments about games like final fantasy and that you'll take that offense to write a, a well-worded review leaving five stars and then adding some comments to the show so we can read them on the air for for all of those in japan on behalf of the japanese gaming market that is in agreement in agreement with me that sonic the hedgehog is awesome and that final fantasy is stupid this is jesse signing off and now eric you can officially take it away Thank you.
Oh, I don't know.